Hey Buddha Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show, where we invite e-commerce entrepreneurs, marketers, and agencies to talk about e-commerce, the best strategies and tactics, and what to implement in your own e-com store. Before we jump into this episode, I ask you to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. And now let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a new episode of our Ecom show. And today I'm here with Luke Ellison, and uh, he's the founder of Tooth of the Arrow. And uh, this is a very interesting brand. I, I think in this niche, I've never interviewed any, any companies, even uh, I had more than 200 episodes now. So very interesting interview today. Before that, I have to give a shout out to Influencer Candy because uh, actually, they connected us, and Influencer Candy is a part of Referral Candy, and this is a company that uh, has been helping e-commerce businesses for more than 10 years now, have more than uh, 30,000 uh, e-commerce merchants up to date, and if you need help with referrals or influencer marketing them, reach out to them, shoot me a message, an email, and I can connect them with you, but uh, they do a great job. And Luke will uh, also talk about it today, besides his brand. Hey, Luke, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. So let's start with your, uh, with your origins. Um, what, what's the founder story? H- how did you start this quite unique brand? Yeah, I think it's somewhat unique, um, but yet somewhat similar to a lot of founder stories. Um, my background originally out of college was commercial real estate. So I was doing office leasing, um, uh, corporate transactions, and I was just getting a little burnt out. Um, an opportunity came up, um, to kind of spearhead this new venture, uh, in archery. So we also, my family has a a small manufacturing company and it's a job shop. So um, business kind of ebbs and flows. Um, some months you're really busy, some months you're a little bit slower, just kind of depends on the, the pace of the work you're, that's coming in. And there's an opportunity to make our own archery product, um, to kind of backfill that downtime. And it was really just, it started up as a side project, just kind of a pet project. Um, I started to take the lead on it while still doing real estate. And it was just one of those things you did at nights, did on weekends, kind of like a lot of founder stories. And then as it continued to grow, um, it became a full-time thing. And then several years ago, took took the, the dive and started to run it full-time. Um, since then, we've grown it quite a bit. And we have several employees that work for us now. And uh, we've carved our, our, a nice little uh, niche within the marketplace. So it's uh, mm-hmm. it, it's been a good journey. Uh, learned a lot, but, but a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So... Let's tell the, the listeners and the viewers, so what is the product and also how is it different than your competitors? Yep, so we manufacture, for those that are not familiar with archery, um, for bow hunting, we manufacture the, it's called the broadhead. It's the arrow tip, so it's the sharp part of the arrow um, that you hunt with. Um, very niche, very small marketplace. Um, most, so historically, there's been a lot of U.S. made companies. Um, as things got more competitive, a lot of manufacturing did go overseas, um, went, went east, 
um, and it started to come back to American manufacturing. And we were fortunate enough to be a U.S.-based manufacturer, and we found a way through automation. Um, we do control a couple patents on it, um, on the automating uh, process within the, the manufacturing of it that we were able to cut out somewhere between 35 to 40% of the actual cost to manufacture it. So we produce a very high quality product at, for our industry um, is more of a middle of the road pricing. So it's a very unique value proposition um, that we offer to our customers. Mm. What's the price point of these products? Yep, so industry standard is typically three per a pack. Um, and depending on, we have a couple different sizes, they range from $40 to $45 for, for a three pack. Um, in our industry, you can spend upwards of $100 on a three pack um, okay. is, is kind of the upper upper threshold. I see. And uh, I guess in this field, you know, in archery, it's not a huge amount because I, I'm not familiar with it. My, I know some archers, some yep. guys in the U.S. who, who do it. They are passionate about it. And, you know, once you have a passion, then uh, then you are okay to spend big amounts. And I guess yeah. this amount is, is not a big yep. one. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's um, people within the industry and who take part in it are very passionate about it. Um, but it's not – it's a different – topic but it's not growing that fast um it's it's very it's a very stable industry um mm -hmm. you're typically born into a family of hunters um okay. or you start at a very early age very very few people take it up later in life um so because of that if you're been doing your whole life you're typically very very passionate about it um but it can be very intimidating for those who are just trying to break in and try it for the first time Um, yeah. So it has remained very small, um, especially when you compare it to rifle hunting or fishing or any other um, kind of called outdoor hunting uh, industry. Yeah, but probably archery has been becoming more uh, popular and maybe it gains more territory compared to rifle shooting, rifle hunting, right? It, That's what I can it, see. It, it, it has. Um, Uh, given the political environment, there's been some pushback against rifle hunting. Um, there's been some changes in laws. And actually, surprisingly enough, several years ago, when Hunger Games came out, the movie, um, yeah. that actually spurred a younger generation um, to pursue yeah. the sport, which was actually, it was really cool to see, um, you know, boys and girls in their teens um, wanting to get involved in youth archery. So it, that was really, really cool to see. And, you know, it, it did slow back down after after the i guess the series um three movies yeah three movies came out um but as far as i can tell those who picked it up the majority stuck with it and and really enjoy it so that, that was pretty cool hmm. yeah that's great um i also tried it when i was young and uh that is a that is definitely a you know group of people who are very passionate about it so a absolutely and that And that brings up a lot of challenges when you're a, a newer company, because a lot of the companies in the industry are very well established um, and have been around for a long time. So mm -hmm. it it's quite unique because, yes, it is a commodity item. You know, people are buying it. Uh, but at the same time, there's very strong brand loyalty. Um, so it, it creates a kind of unique marketing um, aspect to, to launching a, a company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense.
And uh, so you mentioned that your product is more affordable, partly because of the manufacturing. And uh, what's the current landscape in this industry? How many big companies there are and old companies? And uh, is there anything else that you could use for your advantage? Yeah, so there are, there's three to five very large companies um, that have a dozen or more subsidiary brands underneath their parent umbrella. Um, and then there's a lot of kind of called mid-level companies. And then there's, oh gosh, 30, 40, 50 plus companies that are our size, but are even smaller than us. Um, but it's quite unique because depending on what product you're, you are selling, bar the barrier to entry can be quite low. Um, so there are a lot of companies that start up out of someone's passion um, that stay relatively small, um, but versus something like a broadhead like us, we're kind of middle of the road for barriers to entry. Ours is a little bit more because we have the manufacturing tied to it. So there's quite a bit of upfront costs in the manufacturing side of it. Um, but then when you get up to at the big ticket items, you know, the actual bow itself, um, mm -hmm. those are extremely high barriers to entry. So there's very few, few bow companies out there. Um, but all in all, the, the landscape, it's still, it's predominantly um, kind of mid-level, still locally owned companies, which is, which is nice to see. And you do have well, a lot of businesses, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you do have quite a few local archery shops um, around the country that, that sell products, um, that sell, you know, archery specific products. You know, at, at last count, there was between two and 3,000 local archery shops around the country, um, so it, it is still a very young industry in, in terms of acquisitions um, by large yeah. companies just scooping up the smaller ones. Makes sense. And uh, what marketing channels have you used to get more customers? Yep, yep. So we do both direct-to-consumer and brick-and-mortar. Um, Pre-COVID, we were really focusing on brick-and-mortar. Um, just given my business to business sales background, that's where I felt most comfortable. Um, when COVID hit, we had to quickly pivot and kind of reiterate how we were our go to market. Um, so we, at that time, you know, like everyone else, we weren't sure if brick and mortars were going to open again or kind of what that landscape was going to look like. Yeah. Um, so we really focused on the direct consumer side there. Um, our, you know, for tech, it's, just, it's Shopify is what we use for our platform. Um, we actually brought in a 3PL. So we, all of our fulfillment is actually done out of Texas. Um, we don't use Amazon. Um, strategically, we wanted to control our customers. Um, so we do a partner who was our Amazon partner who sells for us. Um, but all of our marketing efforts are, are done through our, our Shopify site. Mm -hmm. um, our biggest ones, you know, in terms of marketing, Google ads and email, um, those are our highest, uh, well, Email is by far the, the highest return ad spend. Um, influencer candy referrals, that's that's quite high up there too, um, mm -hmm. followed by the, the pay-per-click stuff. That's amazing to hear. Um, Google Ads, I can imagine people, they look for the product, so they just type it in, they find it. So yeah. yeah. But regarding uh, influencer marketing, so how does it really work? How have you used this tool? So... For us, kind of as I mentioned earlier, people have very strong brand loyalty um, within our industry, within archery and within hunting. 
Um, so instead of being a commodity, let, let's say, you know, white socks, people don't really have a loyalty to white socks. But when it comes to broadheads, they, they really want to see um, peer to peer recommendations. They really want to trust your brand um, and trust what you have, what you can deliver. And using something like an influencer candy um, that has more micro influencers who have a very good understanding of what their their user base wants and understand wants to hear and likes and have they've already have a trust built up with them. Um, by going through those channels, we've actually been able to very quickly um, develop trust with those new customers. Um, so that's been one of the biggest reasons why we've seen su success with the influencer marketing, especially on the micro side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think probably that's the number one thing if you want to make it successful with influencers that you need people who really understand their audience and yeah. because you can see so many and if the product fits their audience or not and they don't do it just because of money because yeah. nowadays you can see so many influencers they just sell their soul and uh, yep yeah, yeah we we've, we've actually seen better returns from influencers that have a relatively small following compared to those who have a large following um mm -hmm. the smaller ones have a, such a more intimate relationship with the, with the their followers um they know exactly what they want what they like and when they tell you know, when they put a video out um say hey we really like these and they do work and as a company we believe in our product too so we're delivering you know what we believe in um it goes a long way and it's in terms of top of funnel you know the brand awareness it's it's been very successful on that front um so i i, I really it's it's been good to us in terms of our, our return on it. it it's it's been a good good use of marketing dollars mm -hmm. so i'm not much into hunting uh i'm actually i'm interested in it but i don't have time for everything yeah. Yeah. oh yeah so there, there are actual hunting influencers or hunters basically. yeah oh yeah yeah it's um again very niche relatively small um but those that are doing it especially on the influencer side they do want to grow their own personal brand, yeah. um, but they're doing it because they love it. You know, if they were just in it to try to be a quote unquote influencer, they mm. would pick a different market. They would pick something that has a much more broad appeal um, and that they could grow and scale their own personal brand quicker. But the ones that we work with, they do it because they absolutely love it, um, yeah. which is great because that really resonates in the content they produce. Um, mm. And it again, it's we found that you know, those, those smaller kind of mid-sized influencers have, have a great, great understanding of their audience. Hey, Budai Nation. Welcome to the Ecom Show. I ask you to subscribe to this podcast. And if you like it, make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic. So it would mean the world to me if you could support us. I hope we can serve our audience in the best way. And now let's jump into the episode. When it comes to platforms, what platforms are we talking about? Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, you, maybe written? Almost predominant, almost all YouTube. Um, we yeah. have tried, so our, our, call it our perfect customer is about a 32 year old male. Um, and so TikTok, non-existent, something right. like a Pinterest, non-existent, Instagram, hit or miss um 
but I love evergreen content. Um, so YouTube has been just, just fantastic. Um, yeah. especially because there's a huge seasonality to hunting. Um, it's, you know, a company like ours will do two thirds our revenue in Q3, um, with mm-hmm. most of it being in late August to mid September. So it's a very long sales cycle. Um, just given how hunting is, um, so evergreen content, you know, stuff on YouTube, uh, is fantastic because we can still work with micro influencers in early spring and the content stays relevant come fall. So I would say 90% of our spend, um, for influencers is, is on YouTube. Wow. Yeah. YouTube is amazing. And I think it's still undervalued maybe because the barrier of entry is higher than with TikTok and Instagram for sure. it abs- it absolutely is. I think it's very intimidating to people. But if you look at the quality of videos that some of our influencers put out, they're very low brow. And I mean that in a very nice way. Um, they're very real footage. Mm-hmm. And I think with their target audience, that very real non-studio footage resonates extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would agree that it's much easier just to snap a picture of a product and throw up on Instagram. You know, it's yeah. it's much easier for people, but the ones on YouTube that are doing it, they have a passion for it. Um, and I've seen it, it's, it's been very good to us. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I also use it for my own company and, uh, yeah. best channel for sure. Mm. So let's talk about influencer candy a bit. How, when did you meet this company and, and how did you use it? How did they help you? Yeah. So originally we were using referral candy um through through our shopify site um just for the referral aspect of the business because we have found through post-purchase um surveys that we were at the time we were only generating about i'd have to look back but it was maybe it was sub 10 percent of new customers from referrals and that was very light from what it should have been um so we started with referral candy um, and then they actually, with Influencer Candy, we were one of their beta testers. Um, so okay. we started off with them right away. Um, we were, before they actually even had like a full, full on program going, um, we started up with them. And, you know, there was some, there's a period of trying to figure out what worked for us. You know, we, at first, you know, we tried Instagram and we tried all, you know, all the different platforms. And before we settled on YouTube um, being the best. Um, so we've been working with them now for two and a half years, maybe almost three years, um, with, with, um, influencer candy, um, referral candy we've been with for five plus, I'd have to look back, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So you use both at the moment. Yeah. it's, it's, It's been great. Yeah. It's, um, it's easy. It's, you know, it, for us, it's a plug and play. Um, their reporting is good. You know, again, being a small company, there's, I don't oversee it personally. I, I do have someone who's head of uh, the sales that, that handles it, but the reporting's good. Um, I, I think their, you know, the pricing model is very fair. They've been good to us. They're responsive. Um, and just because the micro influencing, it is so niche, you know, for, for a business like us going after big influencers that want big checks, just, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, so it, it works out well for us. Yeah, I think it works for, it could work and already works for many companies like yours, but micro, micro influencers and 
these micro niches, smaller niches, not like a big mainstream product, not beauty or skincare. Yeah. 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 But well, there are hundreds it, of thousands of businesses like this. So yeah, I, well, I mean, it's so hard. Let I me mean, put an example out there. Let's use even numbers. Let's let's say you have a, a serious small company of a thousand dollar influencer, you know, budget. Mm -hmm. um, you want someone that has a decent following that doesn't get you one person. You know, it that gets you absolutely nowhere. Um, but with influencer candy or a small micro influencers, you know, that might get you 20 videos, 30, 30 videos out there. Um, and the reach is basically just as good when you add the reach up across and you look at the engagement and all the different metrics. Um, it's just as good as not better. So I think if someone is, is not doing influencer marketing, I think they're missing a big opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket. You know, there has to be other channels to, to do it and whatnot um, with, you know, retargeting and everything else you can get into that way. But it's, it's very easy to get involved in. And I think it's a very high um, in terms of return ad spend. It's one of the higher ones that you, you can do um, for paid advertisement. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, let's talk about email marketing because you mentioned it and you put this into the top three marketing channels for acquisition. And I'm a bit surprised because, you know, people, they usually say uh, we have Facebook ads, influencers, Google ads, and email works on the back end, but it's not really acquisition. But how yeah. does it work for you? Yep. So obviously we, you know, bottom of funnel, the repeat business, you know, email is great there. You know, you can, you can drive order values. You can drive, you know, number, you know, often order um, frequency and everything else too that way. Um, but for us, we've found that people are being a smaller company, especially if they're referred, you know, via micro influence or something, they're pretty likely to sign up for, for our newsletter and through our drip emails. Um, we've done a lot of AB testing and, and a lot of optimization. We've, been able to build a very quick and good rapport with our customers um, through the initial kind of welcome drip campaigns. Mm -hmm. um, and so for us, the new customer side, email is pretty big. Um, it's, it's been, it's higher than most people would think on the new customer acquisition. Mm -hmm. um, obviously like most people, the, the existing company com, uh, customers emails a no brainer, um, you know, in terms of driving repeat business, but, but yeah, mm -hmm. for us, it's, it's been, pretty high up um, on the acquisition side and on kind of top of funnel, which is, which has been surprisingly good. We put a lot of effort into yeah. it. That's amazing. So you get their uh, email first and they get into a welcome flow or something similar, and then they convert in the end, but they get these drip emails, it's, you build trust. It's a long path for us. It's a lot of touch points. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the analytics, but I bet we're, 10 to 15 touch points before the first conversion at least mm -hmm. um if you look at our if you look at the um customer path i mean it could be youtube drip emails youtube another email uh you know a remarketing ad then a conversion i mean it's 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 a long path i mean it's a 30 plus day path um and so those emails have gone a long way um in building trust um, enough so that they're willing to give our product a try. So it's, it's a lot of messaging about, you know, money back guarantees, who we are as a brand, what we stand for, 
um, and really just what we offer. Um, so it's been a lot of trust building in, in, that, in those drip emails. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, and yeah, multiple touch points. I, I think it's every year it's more, more a thing, you know, like everyone yeah. has to do it now. Like it's inevitable. So yeah, yeah. it, 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 it really, it really is. I mean, it's the conversion paths take a long time sometimes. Um, and it, mm -hmm. it can be, it can be pretty hard to track too. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, it's been good. Yeah. So what would be the one thing you would advise brands that are thinking about referral programs and, and influencer marketing, but they, they haven't moved yet. What would you tell them? Yeah, I would say it's going more and more that way. Um, with all the privacy stuff that's going on, um, tracking, it's going to be a lot harder market segmentation. I think long-term it's going to be harder. Um, and things are becoming very personal. Um, people feel like they really know influencers. Um, in today's day and age. So I just yeah. think if you're trying to build trust with a potential customer quickly, um, influencer marketing um, is the absolute way to go. It's it's one of the easiest ways and it doesn't have to be expensive. You don't need a hundred, $200,000 influencer budget um, to get started in it. Um, I, I think every company should be doing it and should be focusing on it too. Yeah. And my last question, so uh, what would be your number one advice to small e-commerce businesses like yours? Maybe in a smaller niche, a lot of influencers, but now let's zoom out, you know, let's not just talk yeah. about it. Um, don't, be, don't be afraid to try stuff. You know, don't be, don't be afraid. If something's working a little bit, don't feel like you got to stick with it. Something else might work even better. Um, so don't, don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to you know, change your modeling up a little bit, um, you know, and keep testing, test, 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 test everything. Um, because as you scale and as you grow, the smallest changes really can reap big benefits in terms of the, in terms of bottom line, um, when you optimize. So yeah, just anyone starting off or just getting going, just keep at it. That's, that's really it. I mean, you got to love what you do. If you don't love what you do, you're, you're, you're going to get burnt out and it's gonna, it's become very frustrating sometimes, but yeah. Just have fun with it and keep experimenting. Yeah, I agree. And also it adds up. So you get better and better each and every day and you learn even if you yep. fail. And many times you will win for the first try and uh, it just all adds up and you become better. Yeah, it, it does. And you, every brand is different. And what works for one brand is not going to work for the other brand. You know, for us, YouTube's fantastic. For mm -hmm. someone else, it might be TikTok or Instagram. It's just... You know, for us, top you know, top of funnel email works pretty well. For some people, it might have no impact really or minimal impact. So it's just it really figuring out what resonates with your customer base and figuring out exactly who you're marketing to. And that takes a while sometimes, you know, especially when you're starting off, figure out figure it takes a while to figure out exactly what you should be doing and how to market to them correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Thanks a lot, Luke. It was a very it was a great story today. Excellent. And, uh, shout out to Influencer Candy again and Referral Candy. And uh, thanks everyone who watched this episode or will listen to the podcast. And stay tuned because every week I come out with two new episodes with great e-commerce founder stories. Thanks again. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.